0: This is Fandom
1: Buzz. Today's Bookish Breakdown is for The Lost Book of the White by Cassandra Clare and Wesley Chu. Hope you guys enjoy.
0: Hey, everybody! Hey,
1: everyone! Welcome to the special edition Fandom Buzz episode that is a bookish breakdown. Yay, bookish breakdown number two. Number two of the year. And uh, it is going to be The Lost Book of the White. To nobody's surprise, (laughs) another Shadowhunter book. Um, Of course uh,
0: that would make us come out of hiding.
1: (laughs) Crawl out of the woodwork and go, we gotta talk about this book. And there are a lot of feelings, I want to say, in this book. Lots and lots and lots of feelings. So interestingly enough, uh, the most listened to podcast so far has been The Bookish Breakdown of Chain of Gold um and we're probably thinking it wasn't so much necessarily our thoughts on Chain of gold except for the fact that it was chain of gold but if it was appreciated for the thoughts then hooray more of that to for, come today to come today for this particular book so um in true fandom buzz sort of fashion uh i say that like we've been doing this for years uh we're, we're gonna it's almost here yeah it's almost a year it's almost a year uh we're gonna do exactly what we did for this for this book the way we did for chain of gold we've got a little segment uh we are we didn't trim fan uh we didn't trim uh, this particular special type of format down the way we did with the actual sort of you mm-hmm. know um, sort of regular episodes because I don't know it's just so much more fun and it makes more sense to sort of uh, you know buzz a little bit extra because if we just wanted to devote all of our time to talking about one particular book it should have probably have had a really deep uh, effect on not just one of us but uh, both of us
0: yes this is true
1: and uh, and I will happily say that this is his, this this book has sort of started a tradition of. Um, so okay, just before we break it down, just before we break it down, a little bit of story time. I kind of want to share how what I enjoyed most about sort of doing this, and I highly recommend it to anybody if you have the chance, is for the first person to have actually read the book. If you can afford to mark your copy, yes, because that's a thing. People, you can. You're like you're allowed to do. And by it mark
0: a, your copy, what he means is you write in the margins or you underline things or if you, you don't want a bunch to of do post-its, that, you can do right? post its, right. them up
1: and, and Alexa, in her first you know read through of, of this book, uh, you know mar- you know r- wrote a lot of notes and it felt super like awesome with me sort of because then it's almost kind of like you were you're literally buddy reading with somebody. Yes. So I highly recommend it. It almost feels uh, kind of like the Shadow Hunter Codex.
0: Where, <laughs> oh yes, yes. Right. where
1: Jason and, and Clary and, and Simon sort of like Have marked it all up right. and it was fun. Here it was just a lot of the streaming. so we'll, we'll be drawing a lot of that energy. As we do this, I so highly recommend buddy reading in such a fashion because it's just lovely to see that at that moment, this person was like, oh my God, just all caps, everything. In which case, we now move on uh, to a uh, perfunctory, but so efficiently, lovingly done uh, summary of the book. So without further ado, it is time for the bookish breakdown. Bookish breakdowns. So Lex, what is The Lost Book of the White?
0: The Lost Book of the White is the second book in the Eldest Curses series by Cassandra Clare and Wesley Chu. The Eldest Curses series basically follows two of the most beloved Shadowhunters universe characters, the warlock Magnus Bane and the Shadowhunter Alec Lightwood. This second installment is one that takes place after the events of Tales from the Shadowhunter Academy, which is a series of short stories yep, that are brought together, mostly connected through Simon. Uh, And it takes place before The Dark Artifices, which is a completely different series. And in this installment, Alec and Magnus are sort of more domestic. They now have a son (laughs) named Max, and they're basically just trying to live their best lives together. Yeah, totally. However, two old acquaintances of Magnus's, and I think Alec actually knows them as well. Yeah, Yeah, they pop up, take something from Magnus, and then run off. And so Magnus, Alec, and some of their friends have to chase after them. And where do they go? Shanghai. That's right. And it turns out that it's not just a simple task of retrieval. There's oh, I don't know, the end of the world, sure, possibly yeah. happening. So that's what they do. Once again, the Scooby Shadowhunters gang has to get together and <laughs> save the world.
1: And, and that is a, again what a lovely summary. Like I always it great? It's it's magnificent. It almost feels like though. And now a lovely, you know, it's like another a lovely summary from that was that was wonderful. Alrighty, and on that note, it is time to start cracking the cast. Yeah cracking the cast all right cracking the cast is when we break down uh, all of the characters that we sort of believe matter uh, when we talk a little bit about what we liked what we didn't like what was cool what was not cool um, Cassandra Clare has such rich characters to work with and play with and I think whatever she and Wesley Chu have come up with for this book are uh, more for, more fun for the books to <laughs> sort of like take note of so um so yeah so let's uh, so let's start uh, real quick let's let's do a really quick shout out because we want to save Alec and Magnus for last, because obviously they are the titular characters mm-hmm. uh, for this little tome. And uh, so let's start with the New York Institute. Let's sure. start with with that, because obviously that is Alec's home base. Um, so let's start with the Scooby uh, the Scooby Gang of of old, who are now adults. So who do you want to who do you want to
0: start with? Uh, oh, in case you guys haven't listened to the other bookish breakdown generally what we do is we'll tell you who the character is we'll sort of give you an idea of their role in the world in this case it'll be a little easier because you're probably listening to this if you're a Shadowhunters fan that's true so you probably already know most of them
1: but but it, but it it's also a good time to in, input that there, there are going to be spoilers from oh, here yes. on out don't forget so, spoilers
0: abound spoilers
1: abound so to your, to Alex's point we are we tell yes. a little bit about you, know, uh, you probably know these guys and then we tell already. you
0: what we like about them and what we maybe don't like so much about them. Exactly. So in the New York Institute, I guess we're going to start with our usual people. Let's start with Clary. (laughs)
1: Clary Fairchild. Clary Fairchild. Oh boy.
0: You guys, if you've read the first series, like the six books in The Mortal Instruments, you probably know who Clary is. She's the the main character in that series. She finds out she's a Shadowhunter in that series and magnificently manages to carve out a place for herself in the Shadowhunter world despite her unusual bloodline.
1: Right, and by that—that's the—that's kind of a it's kind of like a, a really uh, benign way of saying I'm related to Hitler. Yeah, so, basically I mean, Hitler of the Shadowhunters. Yeah, he's, she, she's basically Hitler's like baby. Uh, so Shadowhunter Hitler's baby. It,
0: actually, in this book, Clary hasn't really changed much from who she is. I still love the fact that she's she's generally the most soft of the Shadowhunter's that's Institute true. characters, she's, like the New York Institute characters. She's this she's the most understanding, I think, of the four. And that's what we mean by soft, by the way. Like, she's soft on people. She's able to really empathize with other people. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the way she was brought up. My least favorite thing. Do I even have a least favorite thing about that? I don't really think Uh, that.
1: Allow me to, to, uh, with some level of shame, but not really, say that I actually love everyone.
0: I know. I'm like, maybe this time we won't actually have to tell you the thing we don't like. Because I can't really (laughs) think of a thing that we've been with them for so long. (laughs) And I think at that point, like if you love them enough, you know they're flawed characters. They have their moments where you're just like, why are you doing this and why are you like this? But at the end of the day, the thing that really stays with you are the good qualities. So for me, like Clary's standout quality is always going to be every single... Actually, from the beginning, she's always been the type of person who can empathize with other people really well. And that makes her soft and more for me, more emotionally vulnerable than the others are. No, agree. In agree. a good way, in a good way. And,
1: and those are always... And, and again... And that's
0: her greatest strength, too, no, I think.
1: No, I, I think so. I think Clary's ability to sort of be the beating heart of pretty yeah. much the whole group. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about who who sort of that she shares that with now later. But, um, but, but for Clary to be sort of like the center of everything without making everything about her yes actually um, yeah i really do appreciate you know what i mean that. like i'll give her that much because for those of you who have watched us you know, sort of like talk about the shadow pretty much everywhere that we, we were on platforms. yeah i'm notorious for not liking the original shadow hunters crew so for me to actually read about them and go i really like these people and i realize, oh because they've kind of grown up already yes. which is always kind of cool but at the same time to be able to I not even so much identify as I don't know I just like them as adults I want yeah, to say they've like, all
0: really grown up in this book
1: and and, it and I think
0: that also helps bring out the best parts of their character because they grew into the best parts too
1: which to be fair to them uh, you know I never like you know like it's not even begrudgingly no it's like they are also the, just those decent people at the same time as the things that sort of kind of tick me off sort of about oh my god how much more do I have to read this and, and again Jane if you're ever listening to this um, lovingly I'm going to say lovingly. I don't know. That's me projecting onto Jane. It's like there was a lot of dumb bitch energy. Uh, <laughs> you know? And it's not just clarity. It's shadow hunters. Uh, but, but there was none of that here. And I think it's because they've survived the apocalypse. They're, they've are they grown into each other's like zones. Mm-hmm. And, and they love each other so much. And I just can't get enough of that. In fact, I could read more New York Institute shenanigans with these old characters than ever. So anyway, that's just... Anyway, we
0: went off on a tangent there, but I guess this time around we're probably just going to focus more on our general feelings towards the characters, because I really think this is one of those times when, since we know them so well, it's kind of hard to ju- to give you one negative and one positive. So, the next character, I guess, the 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 one that obviously pops to mind right away is Jace.
1: Of course. <laughs> Has it's... to be
0: Jace Herondale, because...
1: <sighs> mr Harrendale.
0: he was never my favorite i never like mackie i know actively didn't love jace when oh yeah he was there was an active series. not loving jace. i i was fine with jace like i didn't love him but i also didn't dislike him and the thing is he's mellowed out as an yeah. adult like he still has that sort of confidence and arrogant swagger but it's now it's now sort of been like pulled back dialed down to like a tone where it's, like, actually fun.
1: Like, he's still gonna sneak Max out in an axe bag. Yeah,
0: but, like, now it's patrol. more endearing versus being great. That is true. It, it I, was, was great. And I appreciate that a lot. Plus, the other thing I guess we have to point out about Jace is that he now is more capable as a leader. Not oh just a fighter. Because <laughs> I, it, when he was in his younger years, I think his instinctive response was always to rush headlong into things. And now, as an adult, like, he still does that, but he also has more of a logical viewpoint of things. Like... It's almost as if Alec was a good influence on him and kind of mellowed that out. Also, like Alec and Clary are like double teamed him. basically. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, to to, to, to let him into come becoming
0: down. the human being he is now.
1: And, and the thing, and the thing, and, and I know there's a part of Alec that loves Jace to death, but also wants to murder him every so often. Oh, especially, I'm sure Clary agrees. <laughs> especially because Alec is like, okay, Jace, we, you know, I, I don't know if it was this book or the last book where he was like, you know, if you say we're fighting like six demons, it, and I it's actually like that. twelve that's not like a thing and jace is like yeah we'll be fine it's like no we're not you don't plan for six the way you plan for 12 yeah or something like that so so he's not that jace anymore no. i think and
0: and oh of course if you haven't read the series you probably don't know clary and jace are together
1: that's right <laughs> just and, just and gonna doing mention well that now doing and jace well jace is
0: parabatai with alec and he's basically an adopted sibling for Alec and Isabel, who is probably the next character we're going to talk about. Because, oh, yeah, for sure. Know, definitely, definitely. So Isabel is basically like Jace's sister because he was adopted into their family like young, like he went to live with their family young. So Isabel has always been a firecracker and a fighter. And that hasn't changed throughout the series. If anything, she just continues she's... to get more badass. Like, no, she's everyone. just
1: so much more badass in this one. She has so many moments. She's in the this... best
0: of Jason Alec, actually, because she's smart. That is
1: true. And she's a
0: capable fighter. And you see it in action on the page. And you're just like you're the best
1: that is true (laughs) she's she's the the best of both worlds she's not
0: overly cautious but she's also not overly reckless she's like right in the middle of those two that's true and And she has the skills to back herself up
1: absolutely and the one complaint that alex that's not not even a complaint the one thing that alec did comment in the the books was like you know um not too many people want to plan or some such like they just want to like beat things up and whatever and that's mostly jason izzy it's true but with you know but i
0: think izzy actually when she makes a move it's usually calculated
1: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Because even
0: in the other series, not just in this particular book, although in this book is probably the best example of calculated moves for me with Izzy, like, I feel like she does have, like, it looks reckless. But she actually is thinking something else.
1: Oh, yeah. No, as as evidenced by, and spoiler, uh, her riding, literally riding oh into gosh. the that scene on the back of a mythical creature. We'll talk about those later to <laughs> save the day. I, I love mean, who does that? Isabel. Apparently, Lightwood. Isabel <laughs> Lightwood. Isabel fucking Lightwood. I'm sorry. Pardon my French. But that is, we're going to make this explicit on the thing. Yeah. But that is, she's just so
0: good. She's magnificent. I love her.
1: She is, I can't even. So for the, and, and with the, with the Electrum whip, I just can't yeah, like she's, right now. She's
0: badass and I love um, her for
1: it. And, and here's the thing. I just connected it right now. She comes from a long line of badass yep. female lightwoods. She's
0: inherited a lot she's, of that, that There's a lot
1: of, there's a lot of genetic, you know, like even spiritual genetics, yep. right? Not just like, you know. Um, that that gets passed on there I mean can you say Anna Lightwood please can yeah. can oh we have gosh, that I my goodness Anna. anyway so without straying okay anyway like to after Izzy, Izzy we're
0: gonna go to Simon obviously because Izzy is dating Simon ah yes Mr. Simon, Simon, Simon Lovelace Simon is also Clary's best friend he has been through a journey. He started oh God, out as a, a- mundane or a human, became a vampire, became a daylighter, had the mark of Cain, lost all of that, and lost his memories, and then got to be a shadow hunter. It was a, it's it's a thing, guys. And then
1: to top to top it off, the day he becomes a shadow hunter, he loses his he loses best friend, what, what may as well have been to become his best friend that yeah. he was training with because you know the the clay, the shadow hunter life is just hard. And, you
0: you know since this book is coming right off that the loss is very fresh,
1: and so. Can I just say the best thing that they could have done with Simon was to give him this grieving arc yeah. where I like he... that they
0: didn't downplay that for oh, him. Oh,
1: yeah. Like, he was just like, I'm going to stiff upper lip and Shadowhunter this thing to the end. No, Simon, I think, is the most human of all the Shadowhunters. Yeah. Even
0: more than Clary. More
1: so than Clary. And, 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 and I feel like... And Shadowhunters are humans, technically. I mean, they're Nephilim. But because
0: Simon was so close to it, and I think because he's always managed to retain the part of him that makes him human, Simon, like, no matter what he was what kind of being he was he was always like human simon in some aspect yeah
1: yeah and and, and there's a and there and he and he, i feel like he has the he has the a fragment of the very soul of what a shadow I hunter should be because he does not forget the weakness and and the pain and it's so real to him like it, he's not all claved over That's
0: true. You know? he's one of the few characters that got to choose it versus yeah. being born into it and yeah like clary is technically born into it even though she chose it when she was older because she was you know yeah she was apart from simon is one of the few characters who really had the choice he could have chosen something else but he didn't also my other favorite thing about simon is he still puts out his nerdy like silly jokes like (laughs) at the most inopportune moments it's great
1: i just all the pop culture references this is classic classic simon i love
0: him he's great
1: and uh and oh boy what a what a treat actually and so so it's one of
0: that for me he's one of the most uh, persistent not the right word but
1: constant
0: i guess that's what i uh, would like to say because he always gets back up like no yeah i know all the shadow hunters do that but simon has been through a lot more than most of them have at this point and especially yeah like he still continues to get back up and like he questions sometimes his reason for doing things but at the end of the day Simon is that decent person who will who cares so deeply about other people that he's gonna do the right thing
1: right and and notice how we're waxing so poetic about so many of these side characters it's not even about them, them but it's in there and that's just a testament to sort of like Wesley Chu and Cassandra Clare sort of like team up I feel like they get
0: a pretty good amount of page time
1: yeah and, and, and whatever page time they get is so dense you know it's just yeah it's enough.
0: it's enough if you've read the other books it's enough to sort of color their character a little more for you mm-hmm. i mean there are a couple more in new york people that we need we're to gonna, shout out yeah, very quickly about, very quickly, quickly because these people don't have as much screen time and yet
1: time, I mean. and yet it lends to the same style of uh, if you've read enough in, into the shadow you'll totally get them mm-hmm. uh, but if you actually there's
0: only two mm-hmm. i
1: can think of
0: at this point well three technically sure yeah um lily Pops up at some point. And so does Maya, I think, right? They both L-Lily. pop up at some point. Lily and Maya, Quick uh, shout they out. are basically Alex cohorts in the Shadowhunters Downworlders Alliance. Yep. Uh, Lily is a vampire. And she and heads the vampires. She heads the vampires. And Maya is a werewolf and she heads the werewolves.
1: That's right.
0: And the three of them are kind of the most unlikely friend group, but also the best friend group. <laughs> Maya and Lily are both, they're both actually very fierce females and they have lily especially she has like a very weird sense of humor and i love it like uh, lily very Chen. odd sense of Li- humor maya's a little bit more close to being like regular old like
1: she Ma- maya is steady no nonsense yeah. um, whereas
0: lily's a bit more of a lily's
1: uh, out there she likes to poke things she's <laughs> with her teeth it's a thing she's yeah. out there um but the
0: the thing they all have in common is that they love alec and magnus they, a whole they, lot even, even if they... and they're only willing to work with Alec because he's proven himself to them time and time again Uh, so they make a brief appearance slash mention in this book sure Uh, but the other people I want to mention are actually the people who are running the New York Institute let's
1: talk about that for a moment shall we
0: I think it said Maris I'm not sure if it's Maris or Maurice
1: well I've I've seen Maris
0: Maris Uh, Maris Lightwood is obviously Alec and Izzy's mom and she is currently running the New York Institute she has a second in command named Kadir yeah uh, so they're running the New York Institute, and, and we totally
1: <laughs> think they're dating. We totally think yeah. they're dating.
0: It's entirely possible. Well, we won't know. We won't that know that until it's confirmed, obviously. But it's entirely possible. So Maris has always been to me. She's been a good mom. Like she's made some bad choices in her past. Um, if you didn't know, she was actually part of the villain in the first series, Valentine. She was part of his group before things kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. To yeah, them.
1: yeah. Um, uh, and she's
0: been atoning ever since by working as the New York you know institute they basically got exiled to the New York institute yeah and, and
1: and and that was uh, uh, you know the shadow hunter hitler we were talking about yeah. earlier but uh, she's basically she's
0: basically proven like you know she's on the side of the shadow and that she's able to sort of change with all of the new revelations she's had about like her kids, about their world, about all of the
1: yeah, and and the fact that going on. and the fact that she start, she was I mean again the 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 Shadowhunter like order that uh, Valentine Morgenstern put up was kind of like the Nazi you know like they're very racist and yeah. Shadowhunters like reign supreme, for Maris to have broken away from that, uh, and
0: she loves her kids and she loves her kids and not just and... her actual kids she loves Jace almost as if he was one of her own so.
1: Which which means can you imagine how much he loves the grandson? Yeah.
0: So Maris's <laughs> role and Kadir's role actually in this one, it's not so much them being the heads of the New York Institute, it's more them being Max's babysitters. <laughs> so And it's kind of the greatest thing ever. That. Because obviously she wants to like she loves her grandkid and obviously wants to like have quality time with him, but Max is a warlock baby. And that means he's a little bit more troublesome than most normal kids would be. We're going to get to that. Max gets his own segment, okay? Let's just say, like, the sprinkling of moments you get where Maris is talking about, like, how, you know, Max is doing, are kind of the, like, partial highlight of this story. Oh, no,
1: yeah, for sure. It's one of my favorite things about this story. It's kind of amazing. Because here's a grandmother who just wants to prove that she can handle the warlock baby and all the warlock baby shenanigans. So, and she's also a shadow hunter, so she will not say die. Yep. However.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later, because we need to talk about Max in his own little In his carrier, own little thing. But gets... but but because but of that, are, yeah, I respect... Those two deserve respect for, you know, yeah, taking t- care of the warlock baby for like a week.
1: A, a couple of weeks, yeah. I want to say. It was a, and, bit, it was and, a bit of time. And, and just for me, what I could sense was that big grandma energy yeah. of, I can do this. Trust me. You can trust me with this baby. Leave the baby with me. I mean,
0: to be fair, I would trust her with Max.
1: I, yeah, but... <laughs> but but the thing would is, i
0: find amusement in it probably and
1: and here's the thing the only and, and 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 we'll probably lead into max in just in just a bit oh
0: not yet not we should yet. save him from we should save him for when max he's with and Alec. max and Alec. all
1: right with we'll, we'll save we'll save we'll save max for, for the family but but we will say this uh, it's not so much that they don't trust Maris with with. with they're actually with Max. more concerned than They're Max. actually more concerned with, like, are, you know, is Maris going to be fine? Yeah. It's really more for her sake than, than it is, for, than Max it is Max's for Max's sake. Like, they're, they're not worried that Max is going to be unsafe. Yeah, it's true. It's like, are you guys going to be fine? And, we'll and they in. were. And they were. And they were. Uh, heroically so, I want to say. <laughs> I think, you know what? We'll
0: get into that in a bit. Oh, my God.
1: Max, like, really. I know I'm sort of, sort of getting ahead of myself, but... Uh, the- But I would kill for you know how The Incredibles has like a Jack Jack attack like
0: yeah like a mini like a mini like a short I
1: would kill for Amaris Lightwood and Kadir and Max like short film yes. Of that would just, be amazing. That would be awesome. But anyway, anyway, anyway. so
0: moving on. Moving on. So I think we've covered most of New York. Yeah, that's, that's pretty so much everybody in the
1: New York Institute. I um, guess
0: we're going to move to the next institute in this book. That's
1: right. Because if they're going to Shanghai and they're doing some local Shanghai shenanigans, that is so much alliteration so right So many, there. yes. Um, uh, th- they need to sort of touch base with yeah, the, the Shanghai local Shanghai Institute. institute uh, and that's where we want to go. So let's start with um, – let's start with uh, – With uh, Tien.
0: I hope so, we're saying that right.
1: Yeah.
0: So he is their main point of contact. Tian is their main I point of say, contact. Right? He's yeah, their he's... main point of contact at the Shadowhunter Institute and he's helping them track down the two people <laughs> who we we're going to mention shortly who took something from Magnus. That's
1: right. So... And he
0: obviously like invites them to the Institute. He welcomes them in. He introduces them to like the Shadowhunter Hunter. What do you call it? Shadow market.
1: Yeah, he'll the take them market, around yeah.
0: Shanghai. Like you know, makes it a little easier for him. And I, you know what? I actually don't have super strong feelings about him, to be honest. Yeah, he was. He he was a good Shadowhunter's character to read about, and he was necessary to this story. Uh, but the thing that I find most significant about him is the fact that he's actually dating a Downworlder.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because that's unusual for most Shadowhunters. Like. Agnes... I combine their names. Agnes. Alec and Magnus are, like, one of the very few exceptions where it's a Shadowhunter and a Downworlder who are in a long-term committed relationship. So it was kind of nice to... Like, I'm sure more of them exist, obviously. But it was kind of nice to see another Shadowhunter yeah. with a long-term committed relationship to a Downworlder Agreed. as well.
1: And And apparently... That's not necessarily, like, obviously the clave, like, sort of frowns against that. Yeah. You know, but, but
0: apparently in Shanghai it's not. Yeah, it's a thing. They like, actually there, don't there's, there's think a, close, it's a big
1: deal. There's a close relationship between the shadow hunters and and Downworld in Shanghai. So it almost sort of mirrors the kind of utopia uh, or utopic vision that, that Alec is trying to build.
0: Where they all get along, basically. Yeah,
1: but, but at the same time, what I think makes this love story a little more interesting is that his particular Downworlder uh, love interest is actually fae by nature yep. <laughs> and because this is the time of the cold peace right because the fae for those of you who weren't watching or watch, i say watching like they, they, there was a movie but for those of you who've been re- who weren't reading the the big shadow hunters war ended uh in, w- with the fae out of favor because they actually helped valentine morgan stern yes. uh well no not civil sebastian morgan stern anyway um do a lot of the damage mm-hmm. um so uh and to destabilize like a shadow hunter sort of like home yeah war, absolutely uh, home base. So, so, obviously,
0: this relationship is a little bit more difficult than dating a warlock.
1: <laughs> so much more difficult.
0: so, uh, Tian is he actually comes across quite younger than the others. yeah, I think yeah, he does. I, I actually can't remember if he is younger than them or if he's their sort of, you know, I, I, in I, their I, age group. i I think he might be in their age group, but he definitely comes across a lot younger.
1: Tian's definitely uh, coming across And I'm not sure
0: if it's because he's had to face Less life-threatening and adverse moments (laughs) Than the rest of them have Because a lot of the choices he made You could actually see some of the New York Institute kids Making when they were younger And I don't think they would make those mistakes again now
1: I mean, just how many people have actually gone to hell To prevent the apocalypse I mean, mean? that ages a person a little bit But the thing
0: about Tian is he's actually a Trip, was it a triple agent, double agent?
1: I would say double agent. he's
0: a double agent because I'm trying to remember how many sides he was. <laughs> double, 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 definitely a double, double agent.
1: agent. Because the, the, he, he, look, he, it was revealed that he works for the bad. He was working for the bad guys, but yep. apparently he was just waiting for an for a uh, for a moment to sort of like flip the switch on that, and that was a good twist. I yeah, think.
0: it was. Yeah. It was a pretty good. So
1: that's that I liked about it. I think he played the double agent card super mm, well. He did. Um, He even had the whole, oh, I'm doing this so that I can have a real, like, like, future with my girlfriend. And so he played that card well until he played the other card.
0: Yeah, which was great. I think that was cool. Yeah, although I will say, again, still not as endeared to me as most of the other Shadowhunters, but that's just for the course i guess
1: right uh, but um,
0: speaking of shanghai institute there's it, we, another person that deserves at least a little bit of a shout oh definitely
1: out. definitely a shout out um so uh we were wanted... not even
0: in it for very long but like she has we'll like just...
1: what two scenes <laughs> i know and that's it but this this uh this kindly <laughs> i say kindly right i can say kindly this kindly old lady is uh, uh, is lovingly called mother yun
0: she's basically a matriarch
1: He's, she's a matriarch of the k <laughs> of, of the k family in charge of like sort of k house i want to say <laughs> And she is, uh, she's a she's a firecracker. She was a, well, not, well, she Actually, was an active Shanghai. I Hunter. take that
0: back. She's the second to the last person we'll talk about in the Shanghai Institute. Yep, that's right. Okay, so um, so Mother Yun is great. She kind of gives off the vibe of, if you've ever watched Mulan, she kind of gives me a slight bit of Grandma Fa vibes, but you have to combine it with Mulan's spirit. That's true. It's like that.
1: It's pretty much that uh, with a lot of propriety because yep. obviously she's scolding everybody to like, you know, get your food ready. She's really
0: like, she, she makes everything seem a little more normal.
1: For, for those of you who have strong Asian grandparents. You know what that she's is. She's 100% that. that. She, she wants is- to
0: feed you. But you also have to behave properly.
1: That's true. Like, she's not, she's not like the progressive, modern kind of, I understand your feelings kind of nope. grandma. No, this is the one where you're like, everybody sit still and sit properly, but also I Respect love you, eat Respect your elders. A lot. <laughs> Respect your elders. She's, she's totally that. So there's a lot of, which is a great contrast. There's that energy. Because there's, there's, a, because, because you have that energy and then you have a pleasant surprise. The last character we want to talk about, who was connected to the Shanghai Institute, none has other than. Has gone by
0: multiple names. Has gone by multiple point. names.
1: But right now, let's just call him Jen Jem car Carstairs. Stares. Let's call him that. Um, insert every Lily Chen innuendo here.
0: Yes, basically. Because I love gem
1: For the I record, for the I record, gem. I could I could read 60, 600 pages of Lily Chen just hitting on gem like black. I whack-a-mole. think most
0: people could read six hundred. <laughs> even I could, Tessa could probably reason. Tessa
1: would probably join in like I think I think it's a hoot for Tessa to, Tessa's to not see. in this
0: one by the way it's just Jem
1: yeah that's right anyway
0: the reason why we bring up Jem now is because it's kind of funny because he also not only is he there to help them in a little bit of yeah, a way
1: yeah he's a great cameo and
0: also just I love Jem a lot and you kind of hear him alluding to things that he's doing prior to the Dark Artifices like there's some, like, dropping of plot hints there that yeah. you already know about if you've read the other series.
1: That's right. Um, but if you
0: haven't, it's for, like, seeding it in for you so that mm-hmm. you'll get to experience it yourself.
1: Right, because it's all—and he's <laughs> all about, like, finding the lost heron. Yeah, and he's, Which, he's...
0: I guess you'll have to read The Dark kind of just <laughs> to find out about yeah, that. Yeah, we're not
1: spoiling that in this one, but but, uh, uh, but, but anyway, we are spoiling this.
0: I love John Carstairs, and it's very funny to me, his dynamic with Mother Yoon. Because he's technically older than her, one hundred percent older than her. He's hundreds of he's years technically older than her. than her, but doesn't look like it. And so, in in Mother Yoon's mind, she's like, nope, this is a youngling. S-
1: this is like a twenty year old kid. Yep, like it's like good to And like table. Jem's like, and and he and Jim actually calls her Maymay, yeah, which is like a, a term of endearment. But, so cute. But also to sort of remind her, it's like, oh, honey, I am older than you, so you don't have to boss me out. And she's just like, yeah, just get to the dinner table anyway. So that so anyway,
0: that's a, Jem is great. He's lovely. He's love still him. he's still the same. You know loyal to his friends determined to do right by his friend's legacy individual that he's always been
1: absolutely and thanks to alexa's you know undying it's nice seeing for... him with his family true yeah k house because that's really where he, mm. he was raised even i want to mm-hmm, say and that's mm-hmm. where all the cr- terrible terrible things happened with yanduo and, yeah and, and it was and really like...
0: nice to see him like with people who he's actually technically related to even though they're not his immediate generation. Yeah, and,
1: and this is the house of Carstairs, really. Underneath Lightwood Bane there is Carstairs with Alexis undying love for Jam and oh, mine yeah.
0: for Cordelia. I love Jem Oh uh, so baby
1: much. girl, don't go through with it. Anyway she did. So cause we
0: <laughs> Anyway, that... I right. guess it makes sense to move on to the villains maybe, perhaps.
1: We'll take a short detour uh which is exactly oh, oh, what happens no, 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 in the story correct. anyway. Yeah yeah uh, uh to through the shadow market the Shanghai Shadow is it a Market Shadow Market though? Uh, what what is it technically called? Isn't
0: it called the day market because technically it operates during the during
1: day. the day? That's right. So it's so so unlike
0: that, most shadow markets, which yeah, operate so at night.
1: This one's sort of like out in the, the open mm-hmm. because again, the the relationship of the, of the 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 Shanghai Institute has with the local downworlders is.
0: It's immensely very different.
1: different. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that's sort of practiced, sort of on the outside. Obviously, so we'd like to. Talk, so let's let's talk Jin Fang. Jin Fang is the a
0: repeat character. A
1: repeat character. Jin Fang is uh, Tian's uh, lady love. Yeah. And she's fei, but leaning towards like a phoenix type. Which uh, I love. Can is, I just can say?
0: What. I love that. What. Uh- I just, mm, I live for First it. of
1: all, I mean, my impression of fae are, you know, just like, well, they're fairies and they're mean and Oberon and Titania. Yes, but phoenix fae. But then what about the, what about creatures that within sort of Chinese mythology could be considered fae? Love that. And this one is phoenix based. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? And that's what we love about her, and she's and she's a lovely girl. Yes, uh, I, I almost feel very sort of like you know how there's you know how old people like look at young people, and it's like these two make a lovely couple. Yes, wonderful. That's I, sort of the vibe. I feel that at, right? for Tian and and, and, and for for Jin Feng.
0: Okay.
1: Um. So there's that a quick shout out to uh moye and uh ganjiang
0: yes who are
1: legendary weaponsmiths,
0: weaponsmiths. oh my gosh they're amazing
1: I and they speak in riddles and they're also sort of it almost feels like um you know you know you've got like a character like genie from yeah. Aladdin where it's like I can talk serious but all of a sudden it's like well it's time to go you know what I mean <laughs> like it, it'll they'll shuffle from from reverent to irreverent yes. or from serious to sort of almost yeah. that's actually very
0: accurate the genie comparison
1: and I love that I love that. I love how I like
0: meeting them. Yeah, it, I hope it... we see them again. Actually, that
1: is true. Like
0: I'm secretly hoping they'll show up in the last series.
1: And and what and they play a key role here because like most stories that are well crafted, there is a moment where uh, like a like a like like a mentor of sorts or somebody bearing important like information sort of comes along to just sort of move the story forward. And they play and they that part weapons. really well. And they get weapons. And they're the ones who sort of say, okay, these are what these weapons are for and mm-hmm. are about. And there's they give prophecy a hint. involved. And they really move the story forward. Um, yes, a, essential a, to the plot for sure. In a nice way, like in a, it, it didn't feel contrived. Yeah.
0: They could be my grandparents, Then they can make me weapons. It'll be great.
1: Ah, uh, would kill to have right, weapon right. weapons grandparents, right? Be,
0: like uh, weaponsmith grandparents. Oh hell yeah! Wouldn't
1: that be, be amazing? Awesome.
0: That'd be magnificent. Okay, cool. Wait, you forgot someone.
1: All right, who we, who?
0: Someone makes a special appearance. <laughs> At the Shadow Market, who (laughs) is also in the last eldest (laughs) person's book. That guy. Yeah. Another person who likes to hit on people.
1: Oh, God. Yes.
0: His name is Pen Fang, if (laughs) I remember correctly. He is a vampire. (laughs) And his thing is obviously to sell. Like, I'm pretty sure it was just blood, right? Black
1: market stuff. Yeah. Black market stuff. Blood, blood, everything. Whatever, yeah.
0: (laughs) The reason I wanted to mention him is not only because he's a repeat character, but because the way you meet him in this one is kind of... (laughs) How should I say this? Entertaining. It is exactly what you would expect, actually. So
1: it's one of those characters where they have no sense of continuity outside of what is present business. It's like, we're friends. And they're like, you tried to kill me last time. That was then. This is now. Come in. Basically,
0: the reason I find it hilarious is because he has a standee of Alec Lightwood outside his tent. (laughs) You know, to bring in business. To bring in business. Yeah, And it's kind of the greatest thing ever, but also the most disconcerting. Because can
1: you imagine Alec, right? Sensible, down to earth, no nonsense Alec seeing a standee of himself put up by... In the shadow
0: market. In the shadow market. Or day market, By one
1: of easily the seediest shadow market, like, you know, like, uh, uh, salespeople.
0: (laughs) It was very... So, so I was entertained so
1: so can you imagine the many layers that are going on in Alex's, Alex's head It's like
0: he's flattered but he's also flattered like, but
1: at the same time this is wrong somebody's making money off of my face yeah. how many people have seen this thing and how many and people of, actually want to but, and of all the people to use my likeness it had to be this oily guy Poor that Alec. we don't, that we don't even necessarily like. And this guy has been trying to hit on Magnus. And it's been... It's a thing. It's a... its a te- You know, and he was a, like... Was he around when Magnus, like, put up that cult or... There might a, have been, might yes. Might have been. <laughs> so, f- so for that guy, it's just... I think this is the most... This is what I love about this, the the, the, the character work in it's this It's
0: the book. most ordinary part of it, actually. Because he's just like a sales dude just trying to get business.
1: And I never really associate the main series with this kind of mirth.
0: Oh no! Yeah, you
1: know what I mean. Like, there's just you know, it's almost kind of. I mean, of they
0: like... ha- it has its moments, but it's not like this where there's a lot of like very entertaining hijinks on the side. It, exactly.
1: It, it's the most irreverent character. Like, you I love th- it though. And 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 so refreshing. I can't and... wait
0: till book three. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he's gonna show up. He's off. probably
1: gonna show up. Like, and and because shadow hunters take themselves so seriously. That's why it's funny. So <laughs> serious. Like the closest thing we had. So so in the same way that they breathed life into Lily Chen, uh, you know, hitting on Jim. That same kind ten out of ten like oh, there you go. Times. I have not seen this kind of blending terrible world apocalyptic uh, you know storytelling with irreverent hijinks. I love it since the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series where you've got like you know Spike playing kitten poker and then you know like you've got that and one of Spike's kitten poker buddies is asked by Buffy and she's like so uh, um how you doing you still playing poker it's like oh no no I I swore off that I mean I don't eat kittens anymore <laughs> cholesterol. I mean morals. <laughs> Moral. You know, just cuz he knows the slayer might kill him for in that kind of irreverent humor is here and it's a lie, but it's great and I'm living for it.
0: All right. Now we can move on to the villains.
1: All righty. So let's uh We're more like
0: well, one of them is to be felt very villainous, but the other two more of like morally gray questionable choices.
1: Yeah, let's 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 start with let's start with uh like extremely gray. Let's start with Ragnar. Ragnar Fell, who at the
0: end of the first book had been taken captive
1: after everybody thought uh, after everybody he had, thought he had died, died. Uh, he's so not he, dead <laughs> so the shadow Hunter world thought that he, you know that he had died apparently he faked his own death only magnus sort of knew so for yes. him to show up he was one of the two thieves that stole uh, the lost book, book of the, the World yep uh from magnus's home uh so of course magnus is like okay i guess is this us now but then um ragnar comes in and says uh i've actually sort of pledged my life to uh to a, a higher demon.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: highest demon. We'll talk about him in a bit.
0: But for me, Ragnar has always been sort of a questionably gray character, I guess. Like, his choices tend to be for self-preservation.
1: Which makes complete sense because which he is, is fair, a warlock. Because,
0: like, obviously you want to live, right?
1: And, and which run counter to Magnus's altruistic nature, which is he yeah. just has to help. And Ragnar is And just he like... believes
0: in the good in other people. That's the thing with Magnus. Sometimes, even when it got hard, if he was able to bear witness to someone you know being a good person or someone making a choice that was right or good or brave or true which he tends to like hold on to that whereas Ragnar kind of brushes it aside because he yeah. can't take his focus off of the fact like you know he, he has been shunned yeah. he's he's never trusted he's never had anyone to trust that's not like him
1: Exactly so to ex- and, ex- and so to find him in a situation where he has thrown in with the bad guys yeah. willingly because that's not something well, i think that you... it's because
0: he's he's always envisioned himself as even if he is actually quite a powerful warlock he's always envisioned himself as being weaker when he's faced with larger enemies he never really thinks about like i need to do the right thing or even if i don't have enough power there is a way out like the yeah, others because i feel just... like sometimes some, the, yeah, shad- he- the scooby gang is like that they're like we may be weaker but they're we're going we to find a way a way out whereas the- ragnar's like uh, path of least resistance yeah. i'm going to just pledge my allegiance exactly
1: like it, it's and it's very defeatist and i think it i think the contrast between ragnar not saying that he's not a hero Right. He is
0: in his own right. He has done heroic things.
1: Yeah, just saving Magnus, I yeah. think, alone, and we see a little bit of that. Oh yeah, we see his a history with Magnus, and how Ragnar is the the grumpy old uncle or yep. dad who just would like his he's, heart is
0: there in the right place when it has to be.
1: He's the one who says, "I'm not keeping that kitten. I'm not taking care of it." And then you see the kitten cuddling with with the dad, like in the living room after several clips. That's what he basically was for Magnus, and you see that, and that was moving for me. How. Magnus really treated Ragnar like like a father. He, mm. Ragnar is the closest thing to a dad that and Magnus And wasn't Ragnar also
0: friends with Raphael? And, right? and Magnus,
1: yeah, and, and Ragnar was also friends with Raphael Vampire. Santiago, you know, who who was you know R.I.P. Yeah, I know. We love we love Raphael. In I do house. love Raphael actually. Um, and, so, and so yeah, so f-
0: Ragnar has always been like on the line. Basically, he's like he's not a hero hero. He's also not a villain villain. Sometimes he'll make choices that. Put him in one side or the other, but for the most part, he's just there, towing the line yeah. and trying to just live his life.
1: Whilst, whilst Magnus, much to Ragnar's dis- disdain, <sighs> rushes headlong into the hero spectrum.
0: Yeah, every single he century can- he's been because in because
1: he can't help it. And R- and Ragnar's like, "What have you done this time?" You know, just kind of like stay out of it. And so, for him to be clearly on this on the side of the bad guys this time was obviously setting Magnus up Poor for Magnus, even more yeah. heroism. I think. I think. The, the the contrast between Ragnar's
0: Magnus had to be a shonen protagonist in this book where he's like I don't want to lose my friend and yeah. I'm going to find a way to gonna save him. I'm going to find you. some way
1: to save him. So he was 100% a shonen. <laughs> I just
0: thought of that right now. I was like, yep, protagonist. shonen protagonist. He's like, I refuse to give up on you. And and what uh
1: and and, and what uh what is it called? And what and I know we're we're a little bit ahead which is actually our next uh we We'll get there in a second. We'll we're there, not in... we're not quite there B- yet. But but uh but I like how that's a foreshadowing of of an otaku uh Yeah. An we'll get there. Obsession. We'll get but, there. but yeah, definitely uh, you know, I will do the everything that I can, even if it's impossible to mm. save my friends. Okay. Which so, leads us to you know, Magnus's other inquires. You know, so we have uh Jung Zheng was in the first Who was in the first also. book um and she is a warlock as well. She was part of the cult, yes. I wanna say.
0: That. She was Magnus. actually spearheading it, I think, in a way, right? She was one of the main Yeah, she
1: was sort of like the one of the main proponents after Magnus had sort of left. Yes. And um and she obviously uh saddles up with the big bad. Yeah and is the one driving uh the apocalyptic uh you know an agenda i want to say in this one
0: yeah this one just wants power and acknowledgement and what? is driven a lot by that i think
1: and, and again another contrast to sort of magnus where actually
0: it's a contrast between her ragnar and magnus because they're all different they're all warlocks but i know and, th- and their is... reactions are very different
1: exactly and i think that's what 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 this sortie sort of does is it plays off of the different you know um reactions you have Ragnar where he's sort of defeatist and just accepts the path of least resistance and works with it. You have Xinyan who is...
0: She's basically fighting against fate. That's Fighting what, against her fate. fate. Her yeah, fate.
1: Yeah, hers. And but and with a lot of anger and spite. Because and
0: she never wants to... It, the way it comes across in the end is that she never wants to be powerless again. Ever
1: again. Right? And she
0: never wants anyone to sort of ostracize her for who she is ever again.
1: Right, which is the exact opposite of Magnus where... Ironically, in his lack of pursuit of power, in his pursuit of That's what makes him so relationships, yep. he finds the power
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he sort of, you know, becomes, you know, and, and, and even strengthens himself even yep. further because now he has allies and friends. Yeah. And and he gives Shinyan so many outs, so many chances to sort yeah, of... Yeah, you know,
0: again, he, Shonen protagonist style, which we'll get to in a second, but yeah, same thing as before. So she's actually, of the pair, she's the more effective bad guy. Character. oh no definitely
1: of the villain that drove this in yeah. fact i think she's more villainous yeah. than the quote unquote oh, yeah. big bad yeah
0: we're gonna get to that in like a second so but, um, so i actually think of the three we're talking about in this section she was the one who felt the most malevolent
1: thank you that's a good word and and the
0: interesting that's because there's a lot of malice behind what she's doing and, and i think and anger and that, for me that's always the compelling thing about a villain like
1: it's not coming from a place of. <laughs> but that's just... my personal preference no, no no and and, and and it's and it's mine as well and, it, and it's absolutely mine as well because um you know Shinyan's malice isn't coming from a place of i just want to ruin everything no
0: she has a clear goal in she has mind. a clear
1: goal and she's actually like we can share this power just get on the right side of things nobody ever has to be weak ever again yep. and so su- super compelling
0: yeah that that, that, was, that was really interesting that, that
1: she's she's coming from a, uh, a place of of wanting to move from weakness to strength
0: more more so than Samael, who is the last person we talked uh, about. Oh yes, in this section. king of
1: all hell demon dimensions. I think
0: for me, the reason why Samael wasn't so effective is because he's not the kind of villain I enjoy personally. He's like it he's, just it, like I'm he's very powerful, very influential, obviously, because what what is the official title for them? Prince of Hell? Princess of yeah, something like that, yeah, whatever, right? Yeah. It's a Prince of Hell. Or or whatever it is and like
1: higher greater demon greater
0: demon higher demon something like that and he's just how to explain this he is so nonchalant most of the time in this book He's like, oh, I'm powerful and I'm influential, and then and he kind and then of petty
1: a little bit. He's a
0: little petty, and yeah, when he does demonstrate his power, it is a, it it's is terrifying. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, but for the he most part, like I was just like, just, you just come across as like some smarmy salesman.
1: <laughs> and, and here's the thing: I don't think that he should have been any other way either because That's true. That I you know also what agree. I mean. Like let's give it let's give it that. I think I think they I think they created that character and it was so faithful to what that kind of a greater demon should and would be. It
0: differentiates him from the others we've actually already met as well. Yeah, which... like the
1: like the other like the, the other greater demons are like Lilith obviously from the series, Belial, Belial right? Um from from the earlier uh, from the prequels.
0: Asm- uh, Asmode Asmode
1: <laughs> that jackass. Um so but but to have the king of them all Samael, you know, sort of be Yeah, he all... didn't
0: quite come across his <laughs> to me to me that's not my idea of what the king of the greater demons or like that you know highest he's, of the greater demons would be like. he's
1: what a powerful demon would ha- would be if they had a quote-unquote personality
0: yeah you know what and, I mean? I, and you know i respect that for what it is it just wasn't my cup of tea which is probably why that part of the book felt weaker to me than it would have otherwise
1: but guess who be drinking that tea uh me so i loved samuel <laughs> i know was the opposite. because in my head it's like that was oh, like the one thing we both did not agree it's, on it's like it's like hades yeah actually like, hades is the best example. you know disney it, hades disney's hades it has the same kind of energy of i am a force to be reckoned with uh but at the same time i am quirky as all hell all freaking hell, and I love that. I love that about demons that they can, af- uh, you know, that that they're a real person. They have feelings. They have opinions, but at the same time, they have such terrible, terrible power. Again, harkening back to if anybody loved the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series of old, mm. um that kind of, you know, like uh, you know, like Caleb from season seven of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who was this terrible, terrible misogynist, like you know, like priest demon worshipping whatever. Where he was like, you know, yeah, you know, I dress as a man of the cloth for blah 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 and also black is slimming. Yeah, everybody knows that. <laughs> you know, yay Nathan Fillion. So it was great. It was great. And so, so that's so that's it. Like that's that that's our cast of main, you know, sort of supporting characters.
0: And now we get to talk about Let's my favorite, the Lightwood Bane household. household. They're not actually the Lightwood Banes yet. Not just quite yet. yet. But spoilers uh, for another series. So yeah, but they're they're not married. They're in not this one. quite. So let's talk about Max first, because Max is the oh, sunshine of my life.
1: baby Max. <laughs> Max.
0: is the blueberry sunshine of my life.
1: Max is a warlock. He is... He's a
0: warlock baby that was abandoned in at the, the Shadowhunter Shadow Academy. Of the Shadow Simon Academy. and his friends are the ones who actually find Found him. Found him.
1: And then Alec, in an instant, just puts him in his arms and absorbs. Because Magnus obviously has so many mixed feelings, because, okay, great, another warlock baby. And
0: obviously he feels for the kid. Right. You know.
1: Uh, and then, of course, his natural instincts of what will he do with this kid? Alec immediately scoops the child up. just like, up it's ours just now. Just he's ours now. Wow. Him and Magnus is like, are you sure? And Alec is like, uh, yeah. Why aren't you? And he's like, no. I, and and it's, it's a lot of things happen. So many feelings.
0: That's for that no- that thats that's for another. Day. <laughs>
1: it makes me want to do a bookish breakdown of the Shadowhunter Academy. I mean, like, I the fully
0: intend to reread the entire series when Wicked Powers comes out because. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and some to. of you who have been watching the channel have been commenting and saying, I have to reread everything. For, oh, we're yeah. Gonna... yeah, we're, we're right we're there, right with, there you. with you. We are 100% going to reread everything. Especially
0: for the last one. Oh my goodness. I will read Ooh, it from boy. start to finish Ooh, and just like decimate myself. <laughs> Thank you.
1: There you go. And so- Anyway,
0: Max is, um he's a little older now. And yeah, he's, t- he's toddler. He's a toddler. a he's, he's the, a the a... most precious thing in the entire universe. Yeah, I don't think he
1: can talk yet. Right? Not really. Not
0: really. not yet. Not he's yet. smart though. Here's the thing. As a warlock baby, he's obviously capable of using warlock magic sometimes this means that Max for instance oh I don't know floats to the ceiling or could c- set fire to the curtains or or, or walks
1: across or stays there <laughs> yep. and just is in midair so, so now st- you
0: see why we were saying it was kind of funny that Maris was like I need to be a good grandma I, can, I have to prove them
1: that I can take this and, and Alec is like are you sure because I'm more worried about you than I am about the baby and you can hear again it's like jack jack you know it's like it's jack jack it's very funny because
0: Magnus and Alec don't even worry about Max that much yeah, he's, like,
1: he's gonna be okay his
0: hair's on fire okay
1: and then, and then when What's funny is when the other, like, when the, when the other Scoobies, like, see...
0: They also start panicking. It's like, is
1: this, a, is this normal? And they're like, yeah, he totally does that. <laughs>
0: All the time. <laughs> so, Max, is, he's adorable, obviously. He, and he thinks it's such a...
1: He thinks it's such a rollicking, you know, kind of like... And
0: he loves his parents.
1: He loves them so
0: he much. He loves his he loves, uh, He's a he, very congenial baby, actually. Because he, he pretty is. much gets along with everyone.
1: He's a love... He's, uh, he's, the, he's the cinnamon he's roll so of loved. the entire Lightwood clan. Yeah,
0: he's so loved by that entire family, like so loved and
1: and and we, we're just soft on max yeah and anyone oh, I'll always uh, be soft on max it's, it's just a thing so he's so again he doesn't get a lot of screen time also can i
0: just say i have one favorite max scene, and it's not even a scene where max is the star of it <laughs> there's a scene where to protect max from himself magnus has put max in a sort of magical hamster ball type <laughs> situation and max is just like rolling around yeah he's just
1: you know like, like he's, he's just
0: rolling around their apartment in this hamster run. i'm just like the mental image of that
1: and can you imagine just Alec going, what is happening to my baby?
0: And Magnus is just like, like
1: it's he's fine. This is okay. <laughs> and Alec is just like, you know what? All right. Fine. You know what? Like, I, I trust you. There's a good reason for this. It's not, like I, it's not like I think you're an idiot. So it's not like you are an idiot. So he's like, all right. All right. Fine. All right.
0: Well, now, obviously, we're going to have to talk about our two main characters. Oh and boy. I guess we're going to start with Alec. Because I feel like even though the series is about both of them, it's more so driven by Magnus and things in his past that have sort of come back to haunt him. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about Alec Lightwood, who you guys already know, if you've ever heard me talk about the Shadowhunter series, Alec is my favorite Shadowhunter character. He has always been my favorite, even when he was kind of he started
1: out moody and angsty and, and, and pretty... angry
0: and had a lot of suppressed feelings. It was it was which a makes lot, sense, right? Because it was he like hadn't come he, out. He was yet. a ticking time bomb yeah. for a while,
1: and he exploded.
0: And he did, and explode. and he
1: and he blew up his relationship with Magnus and in what the process. I, yeah,
0: what I what I've always admired about Alec in the past is his character journey because he really comes so far from who you who he is at the beginning at In City of Bones. Like we have the privilege of seeing him grow through so many books, and he grows up so well.
1: And and the way they set him up right now where he is was earned so hard and he so well he is
0: a great leader he loves his family he loves his friends he's such a devoted family man actually and you know what above all else he loves magnus no matter what and he always wants to help magnus with whatever is going on it doesn't matter what it is he's like we're in this together and we will do it together
1: and, and here's the thing right like you like i feel like this book can be best enjoyed with a weight of Alex's journey
0: it Ooh. is because to to see him now have this unlimited faith and unlimited trust in magnus and their relationship together is so far from when he was first starting to have feelings for magnus and questioning everything it's so far because now he has come to the point where he's like this is the person he is the person i love he's the person i built my life with and that's not going to change no matter what happens and
1: that's really the kind of story you want to sign up for i mean because if you're looking for oh i need to grow and i need to think you're not going to find that kind of thing here because he's, a, you know, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings characters. They've peaked. That's him. That, that, that's that's them already. And you just want to see them.
0: Actually, Agalek has not quite reached his peak yet in this book. <laughs> he will reach it at the end of the Dark Artifice. <laughs>
1: that is true. But, but, but again. Um,
0: but relationship wise, yes, they have reached. Yeah,
1: they, they've reached a certain level where this is it. And I'm not saying he can't get any better. But what I'm saying is he's more of who he was meant to be yeah. and he who he could be. He's, now, com- he's
0: more comfortable in his own skin. Oh, and you no, can agreed, tell, agreed. for sure.
1: And there's some moments where he's a little awkward. There's some moments where he's a little... But know, that's, where, just that's just he's a, it's one thing. But he is such a hero, I he want to say. And
0: he's, he's he's not even the type who wants the attention for it. No. He's and, doing it because he knows it's right. And, and he
1: doesn't have the preternatural gifts that Clary and, and Jace yeah. have. He doesn't have the he's sort actually of... quite
0: ordinary for a Shadowhunter, if you really think about it.
1: Exactly. But, but what, makes him extre- what makes him extraordinary is the heart behind it. And that's really what makes him stand i know I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying not to cry right now <laughs> i love him so because, much because because what is extraordinary about alec is, really is, to is, is 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 his heart it's that's what makes him different he's like he's a great fighter he's obviously an archer you know he's a leader he's you know, a he's as a, well. you know he, can, he can be a good field captain but those are things that other of his contemporaries outshine him at yes that's true until it's time to lead with heart
0: And that's Alex's gift.
1: And Jace is a great field captain, but there's a reason, and spoilers, there's a reason he is Consul Lightwood now. Oh my God. God, The feelings I just had right there. so many feelings. There's a reason he can lead the new Clave because nobody else gets it the way he does. Nobody has been in a situation where he's had to hide. And so to see that that man sort of like go through the motions i love him so much i'll I'll, and this is why magnus loves him too oh boy and (laughs) magnus
0: saw that heart that's the thing he he's seen that heart
1: and and for and and here's the fun part right so we know that alec especially the last book one of my favorite words not in last book, sorry in in some of those short stories um alec basically says i want to be the kind of i want to be the man who's worth sort of like what were the exact
0: words something to the effect remember. of um, but i know what you're right right You're saying something to be worth i want to be worthy of that yeah i want to um, be somebody basically. that's
1: worth that you know I, I want you to be proud of me i want you to be the kind of person Anyone he doesn't
0: realize is magnus already exactly is he
1: already is so to Ooh, to have I that i love them
0: so much they're right? really my favorite relationship in the shadow hunters world
1: and so to have that contrast and have magnus be the, be the one who has to play hero
0: yeah I like what okay so now obviously we're kind of gonna go into Magnus so Alec in this book he's really he's he is there because he loves Magnus but in this book Magnus is the one who really has to come to terms with a few things which is the same thing that happened in the last book honestly and magnus is as he has always been through the centuries
1: <laughs> he still
0: has that good heart of his and he can't resist helping someone he has to help like he if he knows he can help he will help i him.
1: mean he'll be sassy about it but yeah. he's gonna and like
0: we already mentioned he's very shonen protagonist anime protagonist in this where he's like these are people he cares about in some way and he wants to help them and he's determined to do it where he won't have to kill them
1: and even if it means his own life
0: yeah he'll still fight for it And in this book, like, the thing about Magnus is that he has always wanted to take responsibility for things like this on his own. He kind of is the sort to work by himself. He doesn't really, like, even though he always inadvertently ends up with a team, he usually is like, no, I'll I'll take care of it. I'll do it by myself. Like, I don't want to put anyone at risk. Yeah. In this book, he's forced to kind of accept the fact that he's, since he's a part of their family, the New York Institute alone is already like, nope, we're all going with you, crashing your trip. (laughs) And you're like, you can rely on us. There you
1: go. That's, and that's
0: Magnus's journey. That's the story. character growth that we're looking he, for. He has, he's learning to realize that it's true that these people, the, he wants to protect them, he wants to keep them safe, but they feel that way about him too. And, for and they him will to, do that for him.
1: And and it was hard enough for not not so much hard, but it but it was a challenge enough to sort of let Alec in. And yeah. Respond can you imagine feelings.
0: him trying to let the others in?
1: And, right. And I, I relate to that heavily because I'm just like, nope, I'm just loving you. Why do I have to love everybody else more in a you know what I mean? Or let more of them in and endanger themselves. I can handle this and yeah. and they're all like, uh uh-uh, uh, we're all going.
0: Yep. Without Sit question. Down. They're like, you can talk all you want. We're still showing up.
1: It's great. But, so to have that dynamic and to, to, to... So this, again, this is a Magnus Bane story. It really uh, more is. More than anything else, I feel. And like,
0: again, it's Magnus Bane as a hero, like Mackie is saying. He's very heroic in this one because a real hero always puts other people above themselves and their own safety and their own goals. And, and, and in this book, he does it over and over again. Not just for Alec and not yeah. just for the Scooby gang. Not just for Shadowhunters. No. He does it for people who aren't making good choices. He does it for Ragnar. He, he tries to do it for Shenyan, You know what I mean? Agreed. And, like, for me, that's always been the bright spot about Magnus. He's not just cool. He's not just an amazing warlock. And he's not just, like, that very helpful person that shows up just when you need them. No. He's always done that with good intentions, because his heart has always been in the right place. <laughs> now I'm getting you about Magnus. Know. Wow, <laughs> this book is just like woo deep in my feels. I'm, I'm
1: telling you, you guys, like this is like the, the this book has moved me, uh, in just like the actually. The chain...
0: anytime we talk about Magnus, and Alec, and then, yeah, I mean, you all know. The
1: time. So I mean, go figure. So it's the same level of feels for Chain of Gold. We're just drowning in all of them feels, yeah. um, and that's what this so this much. book is. And so so that's what this book is about. Um, uh, these are the characters that sort of drive that Alec uh again has is close to, like he's peaked internally but like societally that's oh, gonna he's happen he's, to go. he's, he's got a few ways to go and, and he will right but with but with magnus um and and, and alec they they've this is the show that this is how much they've grown yeah. together i just how...
0: admire the fact that magnus has been alive for centuries and he's still having character growth
1: i i think people just never stop growing and
0: i love that it's such a testament to that like he ha- he continues to grow
1: yeah with, because, a, with
0: each of these. Books. Because
1: literally nobody's perfect. Yeah, so, exactly. So, and, and I'm it, sure
0: Alec will also continue to grow.
1: Oh, he will. He will. Oh, like, we riot if anything happens to Lightwood oh Bane. Gosh,
0: please, let's not uh, talk house. about this. I'm trying to mentally prepare myself and emotionally prepare myself for something happening. To, it's always them.
1: Cassandra Clare is the author who killed Max Lightwood. The, the original Max The original, original Max Lightwood, not Lightwood Max Lightwood Bane. She is the one who murdered Robert and, like,. Let you me. know killed Livy. like it just there's so i am like just preparing myself for okay this is not going to be a finale if there's no real cost to it so whatever detachment starts now i hate everyone
0: i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying not to stay attached because i'm very terrified that something well we'll get to that later because we'll we do have a place. section for that but yeah these are all the characters they were great clearly we're still the house of house with lightwood bane over here so unsurprised right. In which case,
1: in which case we move on to. I want to call this the lightning round, the curse of the lightning round,
0: because Lord
1: knows uh, we're going to. Actually,
0: I think I could lightning round my answers. I'm not so sure about you. I
1: can't. But um, but it's time to move on. Uh, we want to talk about uh crossover with uh, you know this particular book and our otaku obsessions. Otaku obsessions all right otaku obsessions where we talk about how our love for anime sort of colors the reading experience and it as, really does though and i'm gonna start super quick again the curse of the lightning round we will try to break that uh i feel like again i want a short film like an OEV, an omake whatever right of maris and max just babysitting shenanigans kind of like jack jack attack with like uh with with carrie <laughs> it's probably the cnr and, and oh my gosh you know and whatever that. and uh just max floating to the thing and then Kadir chasing after him with a spear and then the both of them just sort of you know and, and then just when the baby's in the air mac uh alec calls like home and yeah. goes and they're like, get the baby and they're trying to prove everything's fine well the baby's fine you know, so that would, would be great i would kill i would kill for
0: it. i well jumping off of that obviously i think it would be a great anime and i say this about the entire series really because i feel like it could be one of those sort of short ov type yeah spin-offs yeah. where they're like just brief episodes maybe like three per book like one two, yeah yeah yeah, like, like, like a, a, a mini, mini series yeah. you know what i mean it would yeah. be really great just to see all of this animated especially the second book because there is a lot more action and i think it would be fun to see because there is a part of the book and this is spoiler to the plot, there's a part of the book where they go down into hell. I was going to say, I was going to say. So they go down into hell in this book. And I feel like it would be so fun to just see that animated and to see all the badassery animated because Lord knows that's what Shadowhunters are best
1: at. How about Isabel Lightwood, again, riding onto the scene (laughs) at the back of a mythical Chinese legend creature. That would kind of be amazing. with With like... uh, like special weapons or some such i forget what that was yeah. and just basically going on hand the mr lovelace yeah, he's it would nine be amazing. something to the effect yeah
0: I, I i genuinely think it would make a great anime so and i we already talked about how i think magnus is very much like a shonen protagonist in this story where he's determined to save his friends and he won't give up until you know no, he agreed. won't even give up period and 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 what and what Which uh... is a very common thing for shonen anime <laughs> protagonist honestly
1: i know and this time the actual ship uh and, and nobody has to ship the main protagonist with the other dude
0: because it's because happened. it's canon now like that's which we'll get to in a second because that's a completely <laughs> different section but yeah and and you know it has all the other great elements of a shonen anime it's yeah, got great a great, lore, ensemble great ensemble cast the, the lore is interesting the plot will be compelling you get to weapons, watch a lot weapons, of fight scenes you know it's it's great i think it would be a great anime so that that's my take on that
1: Definitely gonna be awesome. Oh, I can imagine the anime opening now. Like it's gonna, oh my gosh, yeah, and it's gonna be obviously different from the mainstream series, blah blah blah. And it's just gonna be focused on Magnus and Alec. Can you imagine a Magnus and Alec themed anime opening? Oh my goodness. Season one would have been, what is it called? Season one would have been uh, Red Scrolls of Magic. Season two is gonna be Lost of and White. White And season three.
0: It's going to be the, the, black the black dead. book of the dead This is why I'm concerned oh, by the way. Oh man. The, anyway,
1: give me my 3 season Magnus and Alec series. It's going it to be great. All right, cool. So that's uh breaking the curse fine. Uh next round, we're talking Shipwreck or Ahoy. Shipwreck or Ahoy.
0: I do so enjoy this segment.
1: <laughs> Shipwrecker Hoy where we talk about who we shipped. And all kinds of ships, not just, like, love ships, friendships, all brother, you know, Sibling siblings, ships. whatever. Um, uh, and it's really the only reason we started podcasting in the first place. Okay, so, so. quick,
0: quick and fairly obvious we obviously ship love Alec and Magnus Alec and, Magnus. That and goes we think their saying. relationship is amazing in the context of this, this book it's actually quite different i think it's different for us because we have the gravity of all the books leading up to this yeah, one yeah like it's but it is really easy to ship them in this story cuz they're just so domestic and cute
1: yeah it's it feels and like they're also
0: Ms. they're also like they all they're both like i need to protect my it, partner
1: and and it is and it feels like a more functional mr and mrs fantastic you know what i mean like <laughs> and i and i love like marvel's first family i really do but i feel like their relationship is healthier than sue and reed's yes because
0: that's Reed's true. That's
1: because true. reed is kind of a jackass underneath all of like the whole thing. anyway with that so so that I, has nothing to do with this it that has one. nothing to do with but but it but in terms of beloved pairings of married couple you know what i mean or yeah. couples Alec and
0: magnus really are high up there for me
1: right long term relationship scott and jean knew no. you know what i mean like <laughs> uh, uh, uh. even emma and scott might have been a little bit more healthy yeah. than this uh, than scott and jean so to see two people in a long-term relationship excellent of this level this is what yeah. functional And looks I like, like that
0: their relationship definitely went through its ups and downs
1: Oh no which, yeah for sure you know. but now that Even in
0: this book they actually go through a few things where I'm just like guys yeah, but, it, but, it's, but
1: but it's not a but it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah, of course. And I cuz at the end of the well day oiled, they really love each other. And it's a well-oiled machine at this point. Yeah. So so there's that.
0: My brief shout out to my other ship, Izzy and Simon.
1: Oh my god. I love
0: Izzy and Simon so much. Mister I have always Mrs. enjoyed Lidlis. their them as a ship. They're always a background ship. They're never really like the main like except maybe in Shadowhunter academy but even then and yet and yet there's just so there's just so much first of all simon just nerds out over the fact that his girlfriend is a bad ass fighter
1: yeah again let's reference the
0: scene where she rides in on a mythical creature literally the thing of simon's dream you read sanja
1: it's just it's so it's almost it's it's literally every nerd's dream come true but what's even more endearing
0: is that izzy also tries to be on his level of nerdy, and i'm just like oh my gosh you guys are too precious and i love it
1: i would love that
0: so brief shout out to those two but i actually want to talk about a friendship that i really enjoy and All you right. sort of see it in this book you see it more in other books too but like alec and clary are my favorite friendship oh. like you never think that those two are gonna be friends and yet for some reason they're actually the friendship where i'm like that makes so much sense to me like there's just something about their dynamic like it's both because they both love Jace in their way, right? And they also <laughs> both love Magnus in their way, right? Yeah. And the two of them kind of end up bonding over, like, the ridiculous things that both their significant others tend to do. No, for sure. For like, sure. there's, like... And there's, like, there's a sort of affection there, too, because Clary has never once tried to, I guess, encroach on Alex's no, relationship no, with Jace. In it's, fact, she... she's, like, totally fine with it.
1: Yeah, and, and if anything... Clary if anything, and, they're both
0: just like, oh, he's being reckless again. And,
1: yeah, and Clary and Alec actually agree on so many things, which I think should. <laughs> well, I think that sh- you know, I think Jace is a little shook by that. Yeah,
0: you know what I love? There's this one thing where Jace is like, I'm gonna try a new weapon, <laughs> and Alec is like, why what? though? And then Clary's and like, like yeah, yeah, no, 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 it'll no, no, pass. No,
1: it'll. Pass. And, and Alec's like, yeah, you're right. Okay, it's fine. <laughs>
0: it's so great.
1: Like, is this me? And the fact <laughs> 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 introspection in Jace Herondale, I never expected would be such a great tandem. Because I appreciate him more now than ever. So the fact that Clary and and, and Alec can bond over that is just beautiful to me.
0: Yeah, and they're both more observers than they are active participants a lot of the time in social situations, if you really think about yeah. it. Life of the party is not them. <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually Jace, Izzy, and... Magnus, Magnus,
1: yeah, they are, are the like the, the
0: woo party. party, and like Simon's just like cool. Like he he can also yeah, be, it's, like, it's
1: in Simon, there. Clary, and Alec. And actually, who are like on the, wall. the wallflower. So we are team wallflower yeah. right here. Although I technically tend to be more on the light on on the Bane side of things. Yeah,
0: I love it. I love it. So um, yeah, I just wanted to like do a quick like shout out to that, obviously, because I think it's hilarious.
1: That's right. Um. Uh, but my favorite friendship of all time would have to be the Immortals. I. I oh, it, that's a good. Because, because spoiler. Um, There is a short story of what Magnus has done with all of the extra juice that he had because he was, uh, as part of the story, and go go figure we didn't even talk about this plot point, Um, but part of the plot point here was that uh, Magnus gets powered up a little bit more because uh, he is unwillingly uh, subjected to be under the powers of Mm Samael via a particular weapon that uh, Shenyan stabs him with. And three stabs into the heart and you belong to Samael. The last one has to be uh, willing. Which is really what got Ragnar in that pickle anyway. It's like, oh my gosh, that's how you willingly bound yourself to, yeah. you know, Samael. And so Shinian stabs him twice. And uh, the t- and Magnus becomes a ticking time bomb. Uh, but he gets overpowered. Uh, they manage to save the day somehow before, you know, mm. Magnus explodes without the third, you know, strike. Explodes. But with the extra juice that he has. He does Jem and Tessa a favor. <laughs> And he gathers in dreams the consciousness of pretty much everyone. And that's how Jem and Tessa actually get married. Watching the emo. He pronounces them... Uh, you know man and wife on the same he invites everyone that you know the, the blackthorn kids them, yeah. he he even had Mark blackthorne and and uh mm-hmm. some some fairy like a good looking fairy Gosh, uh along it's like we know that's you Karen but nobody else does you know all of the blackthorn kids are there and just basically you know every, every and everyone that that, that um uh, gem and Tessa ever loved that still are alive and that's what he uses the last of his day and so for for from and I'm getting emotional for Magnus to do that for Tessa
0: he loves Tessa.
1: Because he knows that... You he know, actually loves Tessa and Jim. And uh, that's the and thing. And, that, and that's the other thing too. Magnus' relationship with Tessa and Jim and Will separately are, are a thing. And he loves them. Even if he's not going to say it Magnus out loud. Magnus and his
0: love for... What is it? Magnus', Magnus is home. St. For...
1: Magnus' is home for Wayward Shadow Shadowhunters. Hunters. Yes. Uh, apparently he also does weddings. <laughs> <laughs> not just adoptions. <laughs> and, it's
0: kind of great.
1: And for him to do that for, for, for Tessa Gray. Well, lovely. Tessa Carstairs now. <laughs> Uh, well
0: she was Tessa Gray then she was Tessa Tessa Harondale Harondale, and and now now she's she's Tessa Carstairs
1: and for people who don't like that well we get it we apologize but we are not sorry in any way form or fashion we get it we get it but also we are so psyched I know right Um, that because if Tessa didn't pick we don't get to pick
0: oh Oh, obviously! Oh my gosh, we're talking about ships, and we said we were talking about all kinds of relationships. Uh-huh. Obviously, we got to talk about Magnus and Alec with Max, because that is one of the best things oh, about the Shadowhunter series. That is one of the best developments. They are I've ever they happened.
1: are my favorite parents. I think
0: they're such they're so good with Max, and they're like such
1: doting father. I love I love
0: that their relationship is obviously very different with the baby, because you know Magnus and Max are both warlocks. They have a different relationship, and Magnus knows that at the end of the day, it's going to be him and Max. they uh, whereas Alec like. Oh, what I loved about Alec is like he immediately was like, "This is my kid."
1: This is my baby, yeah.
0: And like he doesn't even bat an eyelash at anything Max does at this point. Like he's concerned, but he's like, "And
1: and I highly recommend because all you're gonna see is some really wholesome goodness. If you don't, if you just look at it right at the get-go, it's yeah. a lot of wholesome goodness. But I humbly suggest that you view every bit of wholesome goodness of this book through the lens of this one moment mm. uh, in the in a, cu- a couple of books ago when Magnus is finally, you know, like he sees everybody doting on the baby. And he, picks, and he picks Max up in, I think this is in uh, the Shadowhunter Academy mm-hmm. st- stories and then he sort of you know sort of cradles him and he goes well someday but a very very long time from now it's just gonna I'm be i crying I'm crying too <laughs> it's gonna be you <laughs> and me but until then, let's go take care of him. I know, I'm already crying. And I'm just Why like, I just what? Crying? what? I love it. So that this is us. So Bookish Breakdowns, uh, for those <laughs> of you who don't know, a it's right really now. just us having breakdowns <laughs> over books. We're not oh breaking gosh. the book down. We're breaking down the book that made us break down. And that's really the only way i feel you can enjoy yeah, I'm this so the most the
0: veins, man.
1: because if you just what if you just read this thing and you're like all right it's another story then yeah of course you'll have different opinions but if you frame it from the the weight of years mm-hmm. that have gone up to this moment it's just the joy is is palpable and and intense and that's how okay. I always view, view these books. She might
0: not be. Uh, he might not be the only warlock, maybe you never That
1: know. is true. <laughs> Says no. That's Why I'm so excited for. We'll find for, out for um the the is it the Black Book of the Dead or Black
0: whatever? Book of the Dead? Black
1: yes. The... Because then I am not excited. Because then I am the... terrified. That though. is true. All right, fine. That is terrifying. But right. on that note, on and now we can move on. Now we. can... <laughs>
0: <laughs> or have we?
1: No, I've we not. live here. It's we live been here like now.
0: months since I read this book, and we, I have not moved on. We
1: so. can move this podcast along, but we have not left. We live here yes, now. Yes. Okay, now um, super easy. This is called a such a soundtrack. That's our next segment. Such a soundtrack is obviously where we think what music sort of really works with uh, this particular sort of story. So, such a soundtrack. All right, music. Anything that comes to mind because right now. I'm drawing kind of a.
0: I'm gonna say two songs, and I, I think it's. I'm mostly thinking about obviously Magnus and Alec because they're on my mind. Uh, the they're both James Bay songs actually, which is the <gasps> interesting part. I was thinking part. that too. Uh, the first one I thought of it almost immediately was Wild Love because I just okay
1: okay yeah yeah because
0: I feel like in many ways that's how that it's just the strength of how they both feel about one another and the way they want to express their feelings for one another that's what it reminds me of but the other song that i actually think is more fitting is us
1: oh because
0: the line that i just like it popped into my head when i was thinking about magnus and alec is that i believe in something i believe in us and that's actually one of the core things in the book
1: it's yeah it's literally it's it's they
0: they believe in each other and and that
1: extends to everybody else too and, and so
0: yeah those are my contributions to such a soundtrack today
1: I'm surprised you didn't choose "Running."
0: oh I also love that song
1: and I'm trying to not break that right now thinking of the lyrics James
0: Bay feeling my field. um
1: you know that's because, so great though because I keep
0: running to the place where I belong
1: right can you imagine just I, I can,
0: when you feel you're on your own I'm still right. coming home and, and I <laughs> imagine
1: this I imagine this Alec comes home and he's like covered in Shadowhunter you know like gunk or whatever and and it's been a long day, and then he sees Magnus, and Magnus is just there.
0: You mean what happens at the beginning of the book? Basically?
1: Exactly, <laughs> which which is which is it's a it's a thing, and of course Magnus is gonna ruin the scene because of the pajamas and his bright and flashy. Like it doesn't like it doesn't lead to that kind of groundedness. It's fine, but that's Alec's side. I feel like Alec Alec's sort of like running soundtrack, and even to the both of them, it's about running home, and then they they take Max, and it's just that nice family moment it really is and so that's
0: okay now i'm emo i know all right let's go. on we're gonna link we're run in
1: below you gotta listen to it while you're reading this stuff okay cool uh moving on moving on uh moving we're almost right done along. here moving right along Ooh, that one thing what's we're gonna talk about that one thing that one thing See? That one thing is uh, basically uh, what one thing like really grabbed your attention that made you go, oh, and it's more a novelty thing. It's not just, oh my God, I thought about this. It moved me emotionally. I mean, it can be that too, but uh, but I'll start, right? Because for me, that one thing that sort of like grabbed me by the lapels and made me go, oh, wow, how interesting um, would be... Uh, so. One of the Shadowhunters things that Cassandra Clare had sort of like established well, even in the first book, is that all stories are true. All the stories are mm-hmm. true, and I thought, okay, cool, yeah. So we got vampires, we got werewolves. All right, I get it, mythology. But then you come to Shanghai, and all the stories are true mm-hmm. there as well. And so the world basically sort of like what Wesley Choo and Cassandra Clare do in this one is basically expands the Shadowhunter mythos to make it more uh, inclusive. I even want to say, yeah. and it's that one th- and, and, and that one thing for me is all the stories are true everywhere. And that blew my mind. I'm like, oh my gosh. So with Yan Luo and the DU and the other world and like the torture church areas and the 700 billion hells, that's all real because all the stories are true. And that to me was just like, okay, okay. You managed to fascinate me. And that was the one thing that sort of just, because I know what to expect. It's Shadowhunters. It's this, it's that, it's the relationships. But that one thing that was like, oh, this is new. This is... You know, and so that's my one thing that sort of grabbed my attention. It's a good
0: one. I actually also was very happy about that because I feel like it. There's just so much potential for the Shadowhunters world. Oh yeah, you know, and the fact that they are playing with that is so smart. Uh, I'm gonna approach mine more from the emotional angle, and I was really struggling to pick between two things, and they both mean the same thing to me, I guess, because my favorite thing about the Shadowhunters has always been. The relationships and like seeing people interact and grow with each other so the thing i'm gonna mention is the day after this robbery happens at magnus's apartment he wakes up only to find that pretty much the entire scooby gang is in the living room <laughs> so he comes in and like
1: i think i, it, I think that. it's izzy
0: and 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 Simon who are poking at Ma- no Izzy Simon and Clara are trying to get Max down down the from, the, air. Yeah, from the area. Alec is just like watching this happen. I think Jace, Jace is making coffee. Jace has been told to make coffee. Like it's so domestic, and yet what I love about it is like it it was like no question for them. The reason they showed up is because Alec called and said Magnus, and Alec needed them. But
1: but, but for it to feel almost like a home invasion yeah, for I Magnus, it. it's I just like it. what it the was... hell are you? And all it's doing funny because he's so
0: soft on them too.
1: He is, but at the same, but he's not that soft. Yeah, and he he's like, can't be like, sassy why? about. It. It's like, like why is this happening to my living room? You're not all dying. What is this?
0: I love it. That that part to me just like it it just reinforces their bonds already, the ones that they made throughout the yeah. entirety of the Mortal Instruments yeah. series yeah. and all they've been through together and apart. And I'm just like,
1: hmm, I love that. It's
0: so nice, and it just gives you all the family feels.
1: I love that so much. So yeah, so there's that. Almost done with this podcast. Yeah. Can you imagine that we've uh, that we're not actually taking longer? All right. Um, so I mean, it's we not, did take quite a while. We 100 percent took. All the wilds that we could all right now let's talk about uh that ending though that ending though all right in which case we talk about uh what was that what was it about that ending
0: though <laughs> okay so i read it first right and when i got to the ending i was like oh hell no <laughs> because i uh, because i had you know was trying to hold in most of my reactions because i didn't want Mackie to like feel influenced by any of them or of to course. really know until he read it which, which is was really why kind of i heard. was doing the notes and stuff but the way it ends sets it up perfectly for the next eldest curses book because the epilogue has basically all of the greater demons convening for a council you know together and this is the same demons we mentioned earlier we have samael we have Asmodeus. We have
1: uh, Mammon, everybody. Everyone Azazel. is there. Everyone has shown up
0: except Lilith, I think. Yeah,
1: because I kind gotta of blew her up. So. so she
0: needs time to recover. Anyway, the way it ends is, Samal says, yes, we're going to talk about Lucifer. And that's literally where it ends, and I'm like, Oh boy. Again. Oh hell no! <laughs> I was like, what? I, I can always appreciate an ending where it feels like a good lead-in into the next book, and so of course by the time I hit this ending, I was like, no, <laughs> this
1: is just vague allusions to something like, terrible
0: oh, God. it was uh, it, It's such a strong ending Honestly because I'm just like You knew there was a bigger plot afoot But you couldn't quite kind of figure out what it was And then Samuel kind of drops that bomb on you And you're like which, oh I, shit
1: and, and I almost feel like this is a great Lead into to um, At least the illusion of it to the larger final big bad Mm -hmm. I mean Cassie Clare has the potential to do some Avengers like endgame kind of scale here with Wicked Powers which is supposed
0: to be the last series
1: yeah because we because we can have everybody sort of show up on the battlefield (sighs) if only because technically, if we had more Shadowhunters books about other characters during the Mortal Instruments series, that last you know battle would have been epic if we knew everybody else. But sure. we didn't. There was just the, the Blackthorn kids and, and, and Emma, and they were tiny children. And we didn't really care about anybody else. Now that we know everybody, and we oh, know who God. the players are on the board, across all the down... I mean, Luke was... You know what I mean? It's going to be intense. It's going to be nuts. So, yeah. I, I That was actually my, my same thing, too. Um, that ending was just... Because on the one hand... Um, there is a very tender sort of moment where everybody comes home, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, on the other hand, there is that insane, uh, you know, allusion to what's coming, and I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, so lots to look forward to. We are so gonna reread everything when the time so comes. So true. Alrighty, all uh, right, Moving, moving right ahead. Uh, a couple more things. Uh, special mentions, I think, are in order. Special, special
0: mentions. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Special missions where uh, we've mentioned so many
0: things. I know. We kind of mentioned most of it. But there are two that I can think of that might be worth mentioning. Yeah. A
1: couple of shout outs.
0: So first is how it ends prior to the epilogue, because uh, like Mackie was alluding to, there's this sort of peaceful return home. And there is a particular ending where it's just Alec, Magnus and Max. And they're back in the apartment and it's nighttime. And, you know, Max wakes up in the middle of the night or is actually still awake in the middle of the night. And Magnus goes to take care of him. And Alec later wakes up also and comes across Magnus singing a very old Indonesian lullaby to Max. And it's oh, just a like so very sweet. sweet, very tender moment. And of course, like, it makes your heart feel so full. And so one of the things that's been happening in this book is that Alec has been trying to get Max to say Bapak, which is, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, by the way, which is, I guess, dad in yeah. Indonesian, right? And th- at the end of the book is the moment where Max finally, like, he stops and he says Bapak. And I'm just like, "Oh!" my feelings my goodness oh my gosh i just i lost it that is one of the sweetest lightwood bane moments lightwood bane household moments in the entire series honestly so sweet uh, and the other thing that I think is worth a special mention is a warlock we actually haven't talked about yet, and that's Katerina Loss. Ah,
1: yes, Katerina, who is Part also of the... one of
0: Magnus and Ragnar's friends. Yeah,
1: they're they're a trio basically. And she
0: is a warlock nurse. That's true. Actually, that's true. And that's been what she's doing done for most of her life throughout history. She's yeah, always she's healer, shown up, yeah. uh-huh, and you know, helped people out, yeah, especially we'll, at the hospitals. Like during the war, there is a sh- sh- short story I think in Shadow Market. Yep, yep. That where she's she... being a nurse. Yeah, yeah. And so, one of the reasons why I wanted to mention Katarina is because she comes to Magnus, she, she is thought about a few times, but the moment I particularly have in mind is also at the end, where she's with Magnus and Alec and they've just returned home, and Magnus is still sort of feeling hesitant about, you know, being around Max, because he thinks of himself as he had come close to becoming a monster.
1: Right, right.
0: And And he was also afraid, you know, of the future like in a sense and so Katarina kind of like talks some sense into him and and she tells him and then she's like it's funny because you're the one who told me this all those years ago and i'm just here and i'm like look at this friendship though (laughs) Katarina loves magnus so much like he is obviously one of her closest friends but she also obviously loves alec and max now by default
1: yeah just by extension and that's really what healthy friendships are supposed to evoke in people right it's like you end up loving everybody that the people that you love love so, no, t- definitely on, on Team Katarina here. Actually, if there's any team i want <laughs> in that little uh, warlock trio, it's I'm uh, Team Katarina, just like Switzerland, very. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, just like Magnus, you're being a moron. So it's super cool. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much that, which leads us to the last part <laughs> of this uh, bookish breakdown, um, <laughs> uh, which is uh, Future Forecasts. Future Forecasts. All right. This is where we usually predict, or at least try, to see if there's going to be anything we can figure out as to what is to come based on uh, what we just recently uh, read. So I will start. Okay. I want to say I almost feel like, like I would love for Lucifer to play a huge part in the wicked powers. But I don't know that he, that that would make him sort of like the Wicked Power. So I, you know what I mean? So unless there's a clear link to that, I almost feel like that's not going to be it. I feel like it's going to be its own closed series because this is the Eldest Curses. So I will predict that, and we'll see if it happens, uh, Lucifer will only be involved mostly in, 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 in the Eldest Curses series. And if ever he is, it's going to be his Eldest Curse. Uh, and we're going to hopefully I was expecting to see more of the eldest curses, right? So we know Tessa is one because she's the daughter of a greater demon. Magnus is one because he's a do- he's the son of Asmodeus, I want to say.
0: Asmodeus.
1: Asmodeus, there you go. And then uh then all a bunch of these other guys would maybe come crawling out of the world. We don't know. But um but that's my thing. Mm-hmm. I feel also that uh since again, we it's going to be set in between uh I want to say that, uh, the dark artifices and wicked powers, right? I think so. Uh, I feel like uh it's I'm terrified. (laughs) I I predict my own fear as to what can happen (laughs) next. Because, I mean, they have the perfect... And not that I agree with everything the way that Marvel did this, but this would be the perfect way to set up the Wicked Powers. They could literally tie everything together and make it a magnificent jumping-off point from a lore... And everything perspective to really set the stage for Rigid but they could totally do that if they don't that's fine but it is such a great opportunity and I hope they take it
0: I don't know I mean for from what we've experienced for the eldest curses right now they're in between things that already exist so it's easy to bookend them this is more of an unknown sort of shift and yep you know it could be very deliberate it could be done that way because it's supposed to be that lead-in but the thing i mean i think i agree about lucifer and the other demons mostly being involved in the black book of the dead which is the third eldest curses book i think that that's probably going to be the main plot like they're going to be the main demons in that book and i don't here's the thing i don't know if they'll all be defeated or not
1: yeah because there's no because, way you could barely defeat exactly one.
0: so the in the more interesting question is which one of them will survive it and will have to play a part in the Wicked Powers and what role will that be? Because the other thing you have to remember is if this is set after the Dark Artifices, which I think it is, there's also the divide in the Shadowhunters world now. Yeah. And they may just take advantage of that because that's true. division like, is something that obviously they enjoy. Yeah. And as
1: much as we love good old Council Lightwood, Console Lightwood, yeah. there's what about the rest of the, the idiots who... It's, you're fighting you know, on
0: too many fronts at this point and, and adding the greater demons to the mix will either be very interesting or cause this war to become even bigger than it will be or should have been in the wicked powers and then there's the whole concept of what the black book of the dead has in its pages and what it can do because that raises the question of are we going to be seeing people we haven't seen for centuries because you can raise the dead or you can do things that are sort of necromantic or sound necromantic so i don't know that's that's something i've been thinking about too because i'm like we know that the black book of the dead supposedly was destroyed by being thrown the copy of it was thrown into the ocean and i'm like well what if people live under the ocean which what so, if there's a whole them... race over there mm. and i and and you know that that could also be a contributing yeah, because factor the, i know the there events.
1: are they're aquatic phase yeah I, exactly I that. so
0: that's also a thing to be concerned about i actually was thinking like i was trying to predict where it would be set and like if we're following the pattern of new settings there is the possibility that it would be set on an island sort of place. So, like I was like thinking, because it's Pacific, right? So, could be I don't know Australia. That's that's far fetched. You could put it in Alaska because it's a little bit up there, but close enough. Or it could go all the way down to Hawaii. For all I know, <laughs> yeah, either uh, but way, if we it's are, all But if Pacific we are, Ocean, yeah, yeah. But if we are, if we are working with, uh, what do you call this? If we're working with familiar institutes, there is a possibility it could be in LA. A very, for me, there's a very high possibility it could be in LA. And this is a new LA, too, because uh, we have Helladelene, in the Institute. Uh, yeah. The Blackthorns are sort of scattered a little bit more than they once, because they used to all be together. And now, yeah. you know. Ty is away at school, and Livy is with him, and then Emma is traveling now with jo- right with Julian. with Julian, and then Christina, Mark, and Kieran are off doing their own thing. Like
1: no, th- this is good, yeah. and it makes sense because they like bringing characters from the previous books. Yeah. So it only makes sense that they've seen Helen and Aline mm-hmm. in book one yep. to sort of recapitulate and bring them back yep. because all of the shenanigans exactly. are happening
0: and on it, the west coast. And I feel like it'll be great too because you're you're already bringing everyone back. To the point, here's the thing, though. I really think that there's going to be some big catalyst event the way there was at the end of Lord of Shadows when Livy and Robert were both killed. I feel like there's going to be a big catalyst event. And the thing I can't figure out is who is going to be at the center of it. Because I I think it'll be closer to the Blackthorn Clan than it is to being any of the Lightwood Banes. uh, But I could be wrong about that. The thing I do feel like I really want to happen in the Black Book of the Dead, but I'm not entirely certain that this is how it's gonna play out. I would really like to see Rafa, Max, and Mina together.
1: Oh god. Because that
0: for me like and Kit, you know, running after them, because that would be great. Like Kit <laughs> Kit gets to play babysitter. Like that I would that I would live for and like strive for like to see. And I really, really, really want that to happen. Because at this point, like I am almost a hundred percent sure that you know, in Black Book of the Dead, we're going to see the four Lightwood Veins together. Yeah,
1: like, there's sure. There's
0: no way that they, they would not take this opportunity to put Rave in the mix and just overcomplicate everything.
1: No, it's just great. And just to, just <laughs> and to see it's Kit be play, so play babysitter is just, just, just magnificent. I just
0: want to see Kit babysit the three Hellions. Right. I'm just going to call them the Hellions because they're going to be Hellions. I, I love will, them.
1: I, I will make this additional prediction, though. It's also highly possible because Lucy Herondale is now understanding that her... Uh, like, inherited talent from her, you know, abyssal side or would be her ability to, like, work with the dead, they might be able to tie that into Yeah, in that's what I was
0: saying. So, like, it's all going to build it's up It's all about something. the Book of the Here's Dead. Here's the thing, though. There's, like, a slightly <laughs> like defeatist part of me that just, it feels in my soul that someone's going to die. Oh, God. And I'm already, like, in pain just thinking about no, it, it it's, because it's... we have come very close to losing a lot of people. And the Lightwood Banes in particular, we've come close to losing... A few of
1: them. No, we've and we've experienced like oh, long-running series with beloved characters. It's not a real. I'm just
0: gonna. I'm just gonna be so sad. It's I can't. not a
1: real final battle. I can't. Until, like, I really so... can't.
0: But like, I, I'll throw that out there. I think there's gonna be.
1: There's gonna be like
0: a character death. I'm not several. sure. Several. There's no way I, I everyone's
1: think... gonna survive. Like,
0: I'm not sure if it's if it would be Alec or Magnus. I'm actually thinking maybe not because I think especially Alec because I feel like he'd have a bigger role to play in Wicked Powers. So he might live. It's Magnus I'm more concerned about at this point.
1: Interesting. I was actually thinking it would be Alec. No. M- maybe not death in the Wicked Powers. Actually, po- in, 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 it in could the- be
0: anyone at this point, honestly. Could- I- I'm
1: thinking I'm thinking the deaths are only going to happen in Wicked Powers.
0: Yes. I, that's why. So I think in Black Book of the Dead, like, if anyone is going to die of the two, it, for me, it would be Magnus. But there's also the entire possibility that it could be a secondary character. It could be a Blackthorn.
1: <laughs> well, they've done that already. I don't
0: think it would be the kids yet because i feel like what's gonna happen is it looks like they're gonna die and then they're gonna manifest some sort of like thing thing yeah like, which is exactly what happened actually Kit. my theory is that they're all gonna be in like a group together and you know kit's gonna be like they babysitting and he's gonna try to defend them to the last day but you know who's gonna save their butts it's gonna be mina
1: ah uh, yes it's gonna and, be yeah.
0: mina like i i really think it will be mina
1: and the thing is there's gonna be some crazy and, and we're <laughs> veering a little bit into further but there's gonna be some crazy powers on that kid too because tess is her mom Yep. I mean, her half-siblings, Jamie and, uh, and, and and Lucy, have some kind of inheritance from... Uh, and from, I
0: think she will have it, too.
1: Belial, I think. That's why That's why
0: I think she's going to be the one to, like, accidentally manifest something that could save them.
1: Right. So there's her, and then, of course, you've got, you know, Sebastian Morgenstern's kid. Yeah, you know, that, too. The fairy queen, whatever. Ooh, got that Drew. messed up
0: family tree. Oh,
1: boy, the Morgensterns. Yeah, I swear sort to of God. All right, cool. So that's pretty much it. Those are our predictions for this that series. That got longer than that... I thought. That you guys survived an hour and a half of this madness is a testament to. Like, if you got this far, congratulations. Yeah. We wish cookies we could make for you. cookies virtual for cookies. you, virtual cookies. We wish we could uh, uh, um, reward you any further other than uh, a promise of more ranting. Oh yeah. To in come. the weeks to come, uh, yeah, stay tuned for. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a. Uh, 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 a, Focus non-shadow breakdown. Breakdown. a non-shadowhunter's bookish breakdown, Focus breakdown. With a special Probably guest. Change. With a special guest, so we'll hang on to that. And uh, after this, we also resume our regularly scheduled program. Yeah. So.
0: So thanks for listening, guys, and we, we hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the buzz. buzz.
1: Hey, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Fandom Buzz. You can also find us talking about our recent reads and our book hauls on youtube.com slash alexalovesbooks and find all of Alexa's book reviews on alexalovesbooks.com.